Yes, sir. Welcome back, everybody, to the second episode of the Good Look Podcast. I am your host, Leonard Pinkney, a.k.a. L. Pinkney, a.k.a. Agent P. Here to give you guys another episode and uh, try to come up with some other good topics to talk about. So we're going to go ahead and go get right into it. Um, this is something that's been circulating for a minute, uh, and I, I need it to stop. Um, this thing starts to happen. You start to see it with the, with the major media sports companies, with a lot of different talk shows and podcasts want to talk about this subject. I'm not going to talk about it too long, but it's something I definitely need to say. Giannis is the MVP and we got to stop with all this LeBron stuff, please. This race has been such a foregone conclusion that people just want to try to come up with, you know, just different candidates or different stories because they just want to make this race a little bit more interesting. But this isn't 2019 with Giannis and, and James Harden. This isn't 2015 even when Steph and Harden had a pretty good case back and forth. There is legitimately no argument, no debate here. And I'm going to let you know why. Now I'll give you the LeBron numbers. In, in 34 minutes a night, he's averaging 25 a game, a league leading 10.7 assists, and 7.8 boards per night. He has the Lakers in first place. Up five and a half games on the second place Clippers. And he's done all of this at age 35 in his 17th season. Absolutely incredible. And you can't deny that. But Giannis Antetokounmpo has just been on a completely different level. Basic stats have Giannis at 30 points a night. 14 rebounds and 6 assists on 55% shooting from the field. And here's the kicker. He's done it in only 30 minutes a night. 30 minutes a night. This man's averaging 30, 14, and 6. Almost a point a minute. It's ridiculous. He has his team, the Milwaukee Bucks, in first place in the Eastern Conference at 52 and 9 and they're nine and a half games clear of the second place team in the East the Toronto Raptors nine and a half games and for overall record in the entire league they're up five on those second place Lakers he has the Bucks on pace to win 70 games and he also Leads the league in defensive win shares and defensive box plus minus. Now those are both advanced stats that try to try to quantify an an individual excuse me an individual defender's effectiveness in terms of winning and their on court play. So not only does Giannis do it on the offensive end, he's probably the best defender in the league too. It's going to be him and Anthony Davis as a toss-up for Defensive Player of the Year. but So not only 
if you wanted to make the argument that LeBron is better offensively, you could kind of do that, even though LeBron's got, or Giannis has him in two categories, traditional stats. The defensive debate is not even close. Giannis, Giannis is light years ahead of LeBron. LeBron just doesn't do that anymore. He's been a better defender this year. But it's it's just not even close. And just to add a little bit more, the Bucks are winning their games by an average of 12.4 points per game. The Lakers are second at 7.5. So I get it. We got people who love LeBron, who love the Lakers, and he's having a really good year this year. He's not drinking wine on the sidelines this year. He's not executive producing a 2 Chains album. He's not getting pushed by Kyle Kuzma to play defense. He's having a really good season. But we're going to stop all this right now. Giannis is the MVP. And that's all I'm going to say on that. Now let's go ahead and move on to topic two. Now this team most recently got their best win of the year. By beating the Rockets 125-123. And they just hired former agent Leon Rose to be their new president of basketball operations. And that should have been it. That should have been the story. But of course, it's the New York Knicks. And what can go wrong will go wrong. And the one stalwart through all of this, all of this ridiculousness has been their number one fan, Spike Lee. They put out the numbers, I believe, on first take. Spike has spent over around $300,000 a year per t- four season tickets, front row, courtside. For decades, almost 30 years, so that's an estimate of about $10 million he's invested into that club. And for some reason, they had a debacle with the entrance Spike was going in, and and then the Knicks put out a statement saying that Spike's story was laughable. The Knicks should be ashamed of themselves. Even if Spike was in the wrong in this case, there's there's no reason for the Knicks to be right. And when I mean that, I mean you're going to come out on the bad end if you're trying to argue with Spike Lee in a situation where he feels he's been right for over 30 years. If you're the Knicks, you just got to eat that. Just eat it and move forward. Don't try to come up with some bogus statement online. Send it out on Twitter and expect the world to be on your side. The Knicks have run out of benefits of the doubt. But I have this platform for a reason. And this isn't going to fix everything. 
So I'm gonna I'm gonna give the Knicks a little push. This is what I would do. This is how I would start to rebuild and fix the New York Knicks. The Knicks are most likely gonna have one of the worst records in the league, obviously. And hopefully it lands them in the top five. If it lands them in the top five, they need to draft LaMelo Ball. LaMelo played for the Illawarra Hawks in the NBL in Australia. And in 12 of those games, the 18-year-old averaged 17 points, 7 rebounds, and 6 assists. Now his percentages really weren't good at all. He shot 37 from the field, 20, uh, 25 from 3, and 72 from the line. But the talent he has is, is undeniable. It's really hard to ignore. He's already taller than his brother Lonzo. He's 6'7". And by some accounts, he's still growing. A 6'7 point guard with good vision and incredible creativity all over the court. He's willing to literally try anything. From his high school tapes when he was shooting threes from half court to him throwing behind-the-back passes, up-and-unders, long quarterback-type throws on the court. He's willing to do anything. And having that type of player on your team would bring a level of excitement to the city that they haven't had in a long time. Now, he has to be better with his decision-making. And he at least has to learn to get into a stance on defense because he does not think about defense at all. But if you put that guy in the Knicks, not only does he have the frame, instincts, and game to not only become a good to great player in this league, But he brings an already established popularity to the Knicks. The Knicks were craving Zion last year. And if, and if Zion was in the garden this year, that would... Man, that would be crazy. It would have definitely put New York on the map. But LaMelo definitely wouldn't be a bad consolation prize. LaMelo has 5.2 million followers on the gram. And for better or worse, LaMelo has his ridiculous dad, LeVar, with him too. He's been a little more tame over the years, but now that LaMelo's in the limelight, he's starting to pop up a little bit again, but hopefully he doesn't. In the end, the Knicks are going to have an attention-grabbing, very popular already, high-ceiling type of player. I mean, what more could you ask for? So that's number one. Go ahead and get LaMelo Ball in New York.
Number two. Coming this offseason, the Knicks are going to decline all those trash team options that they signed guys up for this year. And they're going to go after two specific free agents. I'm going to name them right now. Malik Beasley and Christian Wood. Let's start off with Malik first. And just as a side note, this this pains me to say because he was on the Nuggets and it was just a bad situation for him. We had to end up trading him to Minnesota. And he's just been he's just been balling ever since. I'm gonna talk about him a little more, but I just had to make that note. Uh, Beasley, while he was on the Nuggets before the season started, he turned down three years, thirty million. Hoping to bet on himself and the way that the first half of the season went, it wasn't looking like a great idea, but man, has the dude been hooping since he got traded to Minnesota. In those 12 games with the T-Wolves, he's been averaging 21 points and five rebounds a night. And he's been unconscious shooting 43% from three. Every time he knocks down a three, when I watch those highlights or watch those games, it's just... It's an arrow right to the heart. Now, because of the way the cap's going to be set up next year, teams are going to be somewhat limited, and this might work in New York's favor. There's only going to be about five or six teams, I believe, that are going to have cap space. Once the Knicks decline all their options, they're going to be around 53, so they'll be one of the teams on the high end for sure. So hopefully they use that to their advantage. I could see Malik probably getting around three years, 45. Maybe 48. 50 would be kind of pushing it. But if the Knicks wanted to go the extra mile, I believe Malik's the type of player you you go ahead and go and get. Almost $18 million a year for that guy. I want that dude on my team. 6'4 guard, incredibly athletic. Can shoot the lights out. Plays good enough defense to where he can stay in front of a guy. The Knicks add him to their team. And like I said with the previous step, having LaMelo Ball. That would be a nice little backcourt to have. So there you go, New York. There's another nugget. Go ahead and get a former nugget, Malik Beasley. Now that second guy I mentioned, Christian Wood. This man gets no love because he's stuck in Detroit and nobody watches Detroit. You have no reason to, but this man's been he's been playing really well. Since they let go of Andre Drummond and Derrick Rose has had a couple injuries here and there. He's been one of the go-to uh go-to guys on the team. Since the month of February, He's been averaging 20 and 10. And he's become an outside threat as well. Shooting 33% from from three-point range. 
He's only 24 years old. He's this 6'10", athletic, wiry forward. He only weighs about 215. But he's good on both ends of the floor. And if he's given the right opportunity in New York, he can continue to give the Knicks some strong play and some versatility that they really don't have right now. People really made fun of the Knicks in the offseason prior because they signed so many power forwards, Morris, Gibson, Portis. They can get rid of all those guys. Christian Wood is more talented, more athletic, and profiles better for the game today. So I'm not saying this is going to be some type of rebuild that's going to make them instant winners. But these are the type of moves a competent franchise makes. Looking in between the margins. Trying to find those guys that will make a difference that probably aren't at the forefront of everyone's minds. Malik Beasley and Christian Wood. These are two guys the the city of New York would love to watch play just by their hustle, their grit, and their overall talent. They're young guys. They can pair well with the young guys they already have. And it's just going to push them in the right direction. Now on to number three. I don't think Mike Miller is going to be sticking around. And if I was going to hire a new head coach for the Knicks, I'm getting current Lakers assistant Jason Kidd. Now back in his playing days, Jason Kidd was one of the best point guards of his era. He's one of the best point guards of all time. Triple-double machine had vision like very few did. And if you put him on that coaching staff and have him lead this team with LaMelo as the point guard, what better person to coach up this, this unbridled kid than one of the GOAT point guards this game has ever seen. Kid could channel his energy, give him some direction, put him in spots to be successful. I feel like it's a match made in heaven. And he already has previous head coaching experience. He was a head coach in Brooklyn. Had a little bit of a uh, little bit of success in Milwaukee. Move Giannis to point guard, which has definitely helped in Giannis's development. And of course, is on staff right now. But I definitely believe he deserves another chance to be a head coach. And with everything I've outlined previously. I feel like this would be a great landing spot for him. 
So yeah, Leon Rose, hit me up if you need anything. I got some pretty good ideas for you. Go get that boy LaBelle and Ball. Simon Malik Beasley and Christian Wood. And go ahead and hire Jason Kidd. You do those things. You'll be putting yourself in a good position going forward. Regardless of how trash of an owner James Dolan is. And he is trash. Hopefully those moves can help the Knicks in spite of him. Shout out Knicks tape. All right, now on to my third and and final topic here. Want to go ahead and highlight some of the some of the first year guys out in the league this year. We're coming to about the three quarter mark. There's only about twenty games left, so we've gotten a pretty good look at most of these rookies here. Um, it's been it's been pretty bare bones, honestly. Ja and Zion, I mentioned them in my previous pod. They've been incredible, and there's there's no debate with those kids. They're going to be outstanding players for a long time. But two players does not a class make. Obviously, we got 28 other first-round picks, and I'm going to highlight a couple of them here. Some who have been good, some who have been bad, some are in between. Most of them have shown flashes. And like most rookies, they're going to need some improvement. Let's start with third overall pick, R.J. Barrett. Now, we had one of his highlights previously this week in that win over the over the Rockets. He dropped 25 points. And even though he's had to deal with ridiculous circumstances in New York, he's been okay. He's averaged 14 Five and two and a half, and he's slashing 40, 32, and 59. Now, even though you kind of expect poor percentages from a first year guy, he's definitely got to step it up. The 40 from the field and 32 from the three point line aren't terrible, they're bad, but they're in the realm of what you think a rookie might do. But shooting 59% from the line is inexcusable. So that's something he's definitely going to need to clean up. He's shown his flashes here and there. He's a solid perimeter player. Defense needs work. The handle is there. Um, The finishing is there. He's crafty. He's more crafty than athletic. So he has to use angles to try to find ways to finish. And he's left-handed, so that, that's to his advantage as well. It's just different seeing a lefty drive to the bucket. So as long as he can hopefully get some good direction in New York, which is, unless the Knicks follow my plan, most likely not going to happen. But if he can get some good direction, improve on his percentages... He'll be a decent player. Now, I still don't see 
maybe superstar like some people or star like for the draft maybe some people would have swapped him and jaw or had them almost on the same level i don't see that at all but if he continues to develop he can be an okay player Now let's move on to the second guy on the list. We got the fourth overall pick for the Atlanta Hawks, DeAndre Hunter. He's been a very durable rookie this year. He started 58 of the 59 games for the Hawks. And has averaged 12 points a night. He came in as a really good defensive player and he struggled, like most rookies have, but in relation to all the other rookies around the league, he's been a good defender. The, the Hawks overall have just been god-awful, despite Trey Young being the all-star starter, averaging 30-9. and nine. But having Hunter, he is the type of player that has the potential to be a solid two-way guy for them. And with a guy like Trey Young being the centerpiece of your team, you're going to need guys like DeAndre Hunter to be those catalysts on defense to make up for Trey's shortcomings. He kind of profiles as like a like a Jeff Green, Harrison Barnes type with with a better outside shot. And if he can continue to to improve his game in that area, he's going to be the exact player the Hawks need to line up with Trey Young for years to come. So I, yeah, I I still have faith in DeAndre Hunter. I think he's going to be a solid two way player for them. Superstar, no. Not even a star, probably not an all-star, but not every pick in the draft is going to be that. And if you can come out with a solid two-way player who's great on both ends, especially for this franchise, that's a win, and I think he can be that. Now, the third player I'm going to mention is my guy with the big hair. From my North Carolina Tar Heels. That's that boy Kobe White. He's played 61 games for the Bulls. Hasn't started one. Because. (laughs) Because the. Chicago Bulls head coach Jim Boylan is ridiculous. But that's another subject for another night. Since February, the boy's been averaging 20 a night off the bench. And he's had some stretches where he's been on absolute tears. Including a portion of the schedule in February where he dropped 30 plus in three straight February nights. Good size for a guard, 6'5", with the hair about 6'7". He's going to have to work on his defense like mostly every rookie in the league. 
but the offensive game is there and he profiles to be a, a, a really good shooter and solid scorer for this team moving forward they're eventually going to start him he's going to start next year it's going to going to have some words for Jim Boylan if that doesn't happen but Yeah, it looks like the Bulls have maybe found that lead guard that they've been looking for for a while since D. Rose. Chris Dunn has been, eh. It's not going to be Archie Diakono. So here's to you, Kobe White. Shout out to you, man. Next up, we got the homie from Japan, Rui Hachimura. Now, Rui was a very polarizing guy coming into the draft. Out of Gonzaga, 6'8 forward. Some thought he was going to be trash. Some thought that he couldn't translate to the game, only played inside. Didn't have a really good feel. But there were people on the other side of the fence too and thought he was going to be a good player. And there, he's kind of been both. Only played in 37 games this year, but he's averaged 14 a night. And at 6'8", he's shown some pretty good versatility. He's a creative finisher around the rim and he has a better uh, excuse me a better feel for the game than a lot of people gave him credit for early on now he only shoots 26% from 3 and he's definitely got to improve that but if he continues to do so which I think he will and he's going to have ample opportunity because Washington has nobody they just let Bradley Beal shoot all the time. If they continue to let Rui develop, he's going to be a solid player for this franchise. I definitely believe in the kid, so. Rui Hachimura, keep doing your thing, boy. Now, these are a couple of guys that I'm going to mention now, these last two, who still have some potential, but it's they have definitely struggled, and it's, it's going to be tough seeing how they're, going to, how they're going to be proceeding forward in the league, but they still got time. Still very young, both of them. Going to start off with Darius Garland of the, of the Cleveland Cavaliers, fifth overall pick. He's averaged 12, and four, uh, 12 points and 4 assists a night. But has shown a propensity to fall back in the shadows as most rookies do. He shared lead guard duties with Colin Sexton. Has had to play with guys like Kevin Porter Jr. Kevin Love, Tristan Thompson. There's some veterans on the team and some other young guys who are stepping it up a little bit more than he is. He still has good instincts. He still has all those traits that made him an attractive point guard to select with the fifth overall pick. 
Still has a nice shot. Still can get in the lane and create. And is good off the pick and roll as well. But he's just going to have to step it up. Because in the near future, Cleveland's eventually going to have to choose between him and Colin Sexton. And if he doesn't continue to improve his game, the choice is going to end up being made for him. So yeah, rookie struggle. It is what it is. I hope Darius Garland ends up stepping it up and becoming a better contributor for his team. Because he's definitely got the potential. And one more guy I'm going to mention tonight. Shout out to the some of the other rookies that I'm not going to mention. The Porter Juniors. Shout out my boy MPJ. Uh, Kevin Porter Jr. Cam Reddish. Jackson Hayes. Tyler Hero. PJ Washington. Sekou Dumboya. All those guys definitely got talent too. There's only one more guy I'm going to mention here. The first round pick by the Timberwolves, Jared Culver. Got his team to the NCAA title game while playing for Texas Tech. Some people were projecting the kid or comparing him to Bradley Beal. So far in his rookie year, he's been... Struggling to say the least. Only uh, only averaging 24 minutes a night and only averaging 9 points a game. His body still needs to fill out. Still a pretty skinny kid. But he does have good athleticism. And he does make good plays here and there. But you can still see the rawness of his game. He's still kind of just floating around on the court instead of being more decisive. He just needs more time to develop. And for his sake, he better hope that the T-Wolves don't re-sign Malik Beasley. Because if they do, then he's going to really have to work to try to become a relevant and helpful rotation piece for this team going forward. He's got the frame, got the size, got the athleticism to be a good NBA player in this league. Now it's just on him, basically, to see how he develops. I'm not as high on him as I am on the the other guys previously mentioned on this list. It's just going to be a we'll see with him. We'll see. And now... Once again, I'm going to come at you guys with a little interesting NBA story. And what I'm going to tell you guys are some weird old NBA rules that used to exist back in the day. And this is coming from an article from the Deseret News. Let 
Now, some of them are pretty novel, but others are kind of interesting. I'm going to just highlight those really quick. In 1951, the lane was only six feet, and it got widened to 12. In 1954, we finally got a 24-second shot clock. In 1979, we finally established the three-point line. 22 feet in the corners, extending to 23.9 at the top of the key. They used to have this weird free throw rule that they finally eliminated in 1981, where you got three chances to make two free throws or two chances to make one free throw. And thank goodness they got rid of that. Just If you're a bad free throw shooter, it is what it is. We're not letting you shoot more. In 1992, this is 1992. This is not that long ago. They changed it to where the shot clock would only reset when the ball hit the rim. The previous rule before that said that the shot clock would reset when it hit the rim or the backboard. So yeah, they just have some guys chucking it off the backboard, and that would <laughs> that would reset the clock, which is crazy. Another thing that seems really obvious now, but was only changed in 1994, they gave you three foul shots if you got fouled, on a three-point attempt. Are you serious? I mean, it just... It sounds obvious now, right? But I guess back then... Wasn't so much. And last but not least... Two things happened in 2001. Nowadays, we know it as an eight-second violation... That's how long you have to get across half court. Before that, it was 10. And the other big thing in 2001 was that illegal defense was eliminated and zone defense was now allowed. It established a defensive three-second rule that prohibited a defensive player from being in the lane without being within arm's length of an offensive player. Yeah, just reading through just reading through and telling you guys some of these things, it just brings a smile to my face just to It's funny to see what a game that you've been following your whole life and just before that there were just some really weird rules that we that we take for granted now that just didn't exist back then. That three for two, two for one crap, I just I could man. Not gonna go into it any further, but that's that was wild. All right, everybody, thank you for listening to episode two of the Good Look Podcast. I appreciate you uh, for taking the time to listen. My name is Leonard Pickney. Uh, I'm gonna be dropping once again an episode every week. Um, check all your check all your different uh, podcast sites. Um, it runs up on Spotify first, and then it kind of trickles out from there so just stay tuned with that 
want to thank you guys again for listening. I hope you have a good one.